about to be a completely unreliable asshole. <laughs> What are you doing, Tim? Don't worry about it, Ryan. Okay. Don't you worry about it. Hi. I'm trying to be sneaky. Tim's on his phone. <laughs> well, you know, you know, I'm almost a millennial. <laughs> <laughs> well. Welcome. Welcome to another episode of Dismembering Horror with Tim Aslan and Ryan McDuffie, where we dismember horror by watching a horror film every week and dismembering it by talking about what worked, what didn't work, and things of note. Then we follow that up by some recommendations, and we pull from the hat and pick next week's movie. Uh, (laughs) That's it. (laughs) And this is episode 33 of that. From a, a of from a millennial and an almost millennial, you just heard. <laughs> I'm in that weird, like middle uh, middle generation thing of like I'm sort of a generation X, but like the very very end Gen and, X point five. And then like I guess there was a Gen Y, mm-hmm. but I wasn't really that. I don't Who know. Who are I you? I don't Tim? get it. I just don't get it. I read an article saying that they called it the solo generation. Because we like admire Han Solo. <laughs> I mean, that's, we're like that age of Han like... Solo came to mind, but I I don't know. Hey, and you're wearing a Star Wars shirt. Oh shit! I am. So you're the Solo generation. Yeah, apparently. Well, apparently, we can all admire Han Solo, including uh, we had a guest last week, Michael Tucker. That was fun. Yeah, it sure was. Him and I bonded over Star Wars for sure. And continue to in life, or in just life. in that uh, in that in life day in life. Yeah, we aren't <laughs> solos. No, uh, you guys are fucking. You're super millennial. <laughs> Actually, I, I don't so. think either of you really feel like this. This I don't know what you call it. The stereotype of a millennial, right. which that, I think is bullshit. Anyway, just, I think it's all pretty funny. It's like people pre forty have always been the same. Right. In a way. What did what did you glean from our us episode? Gleam. I don't know, it was fun. Yeah. It was interesting to try the dynamic of having a third person where you sort of, you know, you I think I don't know if we think much when it's just the two of us about equal time <laughs> but with the third person. i mean i certainly don't think about it because i just fucking talk and talk and talk <laughs> <laughs> right but you were a little more aware of the third person. yeah i was conscientious of it especially at a certain point where i was like i've been talking a lot uh-huh. <laughs> but also when we got into the things that didn't work i simply had much less to say yeah. and michael had a you know he had quite a few things that he wanted to put out there, right so. you gave it you were the high you're the biggest fan of yeah. i mean i was a fan for sure but but not the biggest it was weighted accordingly you're saying yeah no i thought that was a cool dynamic and it's nice to get another perspective and i loved our call in with davis oh yeah that was cool we man that was a that was a big episode. We had yeah. Everything just, you know, all all pistons firing there. I'd love to get Davis <laughs> just to call in more. I don't know how we could excuse it, but just to get Davis's two cents on something. Just Skype him in. He's get, it's like the 30 seconds of Davis. Yeah. Skype every episode. Like maybe, you know, for things of note, he could, he, whether he watched it or not, he could just find one thing of note <laughs> and just call in with it. Oh, man. He'd have to do more of a voice, though. So. <laughs> more of a voice. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Well, and we ended last episode. Well, Michael Tucker, he pulled for us our this week's episode, mm-hmm. our film that we watched. And he said, let let me know how it is. I hope it goes well. He's kind of like, you know, was excited. He was sending us off to see this film, Calvair, which yeah. uh, let's uh, let's. OK, well, let's, uh, we, we start let's with uh, a little trailer, it? a little trailer. Yeah. All right. Let's well, watch that. Calvair, French word. It's the the ordeal is the, I guess American, title or translation, yeah. two thousand four. But Calvert. Je vais m'aider. Ma camionnette démarre plus et j'ai vu sur un panneau qu'il y avait une auberge dans les environs. Monsieur Martel, j'ai du monde pour vous. Désolé de vous réveiller, mais je suis tombé en panne avec ma camionnette. Il y a longtemps que personne n'est venu, mais ne vous inquiétez pas, les chambres sont propres. Alors l'artiste, bien dormi Oui, très bien, merci. Je vais vous préparer un bon petit déjeuner et puis je m'occuperai de votre moteur ensuite. Il y a quelqu'un Martel Et le premier qui vient tourner autour de ma femme, je le crève. Et qui te fait croire que c'est ta femme Qu'est-ce que vous faites T'es encore venu piétiner mon cœur Wow. As trailers wow. often do, they remind me of uh, something else I wanted to mention. <laughs> so I'm writing something down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. This movie. <laughs> yeah. It's not often I say that, too. Yeah. It's good oh, stuff. boy. Well, I wrote a summary. Do you want to hear it? Ooh. Yeah, I do. Okay. 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 Mark. A French singing performance artist who gets most his work from retirement homes is traveling Belgium on his way to a Christmas gig. Problems with his van lead to a group of insincerely crazed locals fantasizing and or under a delusion that Mark is actually Bartel's ex-wife Gloria, and they're determined to keep him for themselves. Wow. It's very true. Great. <laughs> I, that's what I got from it, Tim. Did you get out from it anything else? I, you know what? I I think so. What else was going on for you? But I think that's a big part of... I don't know. I think we need to talk about it. Well, there's certainly a lot going on. I just yeah. meant a summary. The things that happened on the outside. Uh, 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 did you say he's a magician? I said he was a singing performance artist. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. I don't know what... There's... Yeah, that's it. Yeah, because it was more than just singing songs. He had like a cape. That's right. But there's... Yeah. Ah, It's... I think it's slippery because the second you start kind of adding like detail to that, you're off to the races (laughs) into certain realms that are more we need to talk. Well, any other details I didn't mention (laughs) just as far as the, the happenings... Nah. Yeah. Nah. Okay, well, next section in our show here is how we rated it. So, how did we rate it? Do you want to hear what I rated it? Do you want to say how you rated it in our scale of avoid it, stream it, rent it, or buy it? I... It is... It's a... 
stream. It's a stream. It's a stream. Got it. Is it? Yeah, it's a stream. Do you want to give in summary why? Um, without getting into things that in didn't summary, work. You know. Um. Um. It's a stream because I think it's incomplete. Okay. Well, be or it feels incomplete to me, and so I almost by default, anytime that is the feeling I'm left with, I I just can't justify being like you should put, spend money on this. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> so, yeah, that's really it. Well, Tim, I guess uh, we weren't in the same boat on this one. Oh. So if this if this episode, Tim Aslan, I mean, sorry, if this show, Tim Aslan, this whole show, is about we're trying to we're, we're we're just scrounging for that gold this year was where we found a solid nugget for me <laughs> i give calvert a buy it a rare buy whoa, it whoa whoa <laughs> whoa whoa it may be one of my new favorite christmas movies <laughs> of all time <laughs> okay that's that's bold my in summary review if people were saying you know Give, giving things like uh, in the style of Deliverance or Hills Have Eyes. I, I saw that in some reviews. For me, it was, I could see how it was conceived in the style of those, but I thought it was way better than both of them. I thought it had the realism of Deliverance and then the, like the interesting, crazy characters of Hills Have Eyes, which those things were, those two things I mentioned that I liked about each of those were mutually exclusive for those films. So in Deliverance, I always thought in the end, the like hmm. the bad guys mm -hmm. were kind of boring and it just kind of ends up to be like a right. half, like the half the movies is kind of uh, running away down a river. Right. <laughs> it's, and then the Hills Have Eyes is, is great, but it's kind of, it's not at all like grounded for me in a way that's like, oh, this is realism craziness happening you know, as intense as some of the scenes, the content of the scenes are. Sure. It's never like I'm watching it like, oh my God, this is intense because it's real. This was that balance. This was like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre balance for me of the best of like stark realism and you buy it because it's crazy or it's like it's real because of how crazy it is mm -hmm, as mm -hmm. far as the characters. That's interesting. Okay. I mean, you know. And then you're welcome to your opinion. And then, uh, <laughs> well, should we get? So, well, I mean, I have more. Yeah, no, to say we on should it. just get into Great. it then, because what you know. worked? What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? What worked for you? It worked like a charm, Smith. <laughs> what worked? What worked for you? Go. Well, okay, Tim, <laughs> you could tell what I wanted to say so much. Like why this movie at the same time feels like tailor made for me is I love just more than anything. And this is my favorite kind of stories and horror stories too. But like when, when you see how people have like normalized things that outsiders would look at as crazy, like how crazies, you know what I mean? Crazies normalizing things. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? What that is. I think is. so. How like people create their own. And we've talked about it before. What I forget what we were talking about. We were talking about how like you see how real life couples create their own reality. That's oh, like God, an insular yeah. world. Yeah. And just that. And like, but, but we see how we do it as individuals too. Like this is my little like routine 
routine thing that I do. And it's so like idiosyncratic and normalized for that individual. Oh, I see where you're you going. Know? Yep. And then, but then like expand that to then what the world at large deems. Oh no, this is like dangerously crazy. This is crazy, crazy. Mm-hmm. This is all that. Like exploring the lines of where, where all of that whole spectrum. And this whole movie is basically about that idea for me. Okay. And that's just my favorite thing in the world. Like in a lot of films, it's why I think why it's like Pee Wee's uh. big adventure is my favorite film, you know, cause we're like entering <laughs> Pee Wee's film, but it's like, no, that's it's, this is normal. You guys are the crazy ones. You sure. Know? So yeah, 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 yeah. Use it. <laughs> it's um, like, I, is it why you like Willard? Cause it's like his world. <laughs> yeah. Particular points of view. Yeah. Sure. That was more, I just, I like related to Willard. Sure. As a, as a character. <laughs> <laughs> um, Interesting. But like, oh God, but that was going on in, in so many levels. This like moments that I loved in this. I mean, talking about, you know, crazies normalizing things. If that's sort of the, the thing I'm, I'm pulling it back to. Well, I mean, in the horror sense, you know, in the most horrific sense, we have it normalized animal rape when they rape a pig. We had to mention that scene, Tim. Yeah. And how one of have to and how one of them is also. Oh, and there's a baby cow, too, that they think. Yeah. One of them. Oh, see, yeah, I was I was unclear in that, you know, when when Mark stumbles upon this event, whether or not the animal that they were raping or i don't know what else you would call it yeah uh, yeah well two things i couldn't tell if they were putting they were putting it in the the butt or in the mouth of that animal or in like a wound hole for all oh jesus yeah it could be that gastro hole that they like (laughs) you ever seen that where they like put a hole in the side of a cow and they just reach in and pull out the it's so fucked up anyway um (laughs) where are we going uh but it's just like, well, like I wasn't even clear if it was a pig. Was it a pig? A big pig, like a well, I or lo- a ca- or a calf. I mean, I, like, I, I, I liked no- that sort of like, what am I looking at? Uncertainty yeah, yeah, yeah. so much because like, well, I, I, why well, I decided so I guess it's on kind pig of irrelevant. Right? Was uh, the sounds? It was like a pig sounded like very much to me like a pig in distress. Yeah. Um, see, I guess I was I was still unclear because there was definitely a pig in the shot right. that was separate. I was like, is that pig making the noise? He's like feels for his his fellow animal <laughs> maybe going, it was a cow i don't know either way it doesn't really matter but it was like the feel of walking in with mark too i guess to, to you know make my point is like of for these little this little gathering that's going on oh this is like an everyday normal collective crazy thing going on <gasps> even worse it's like a rite of passage thing that's <laughs> yeah. what it felt like to me where they were like come on man do it like you need to do this because this is what we do and the guy was right. like okay first time for everything oh god and then, like, later, just to stay on the animal train, I love, <laughs> they show up, like, holding a pig like it's a hound dog. Yeah. Like, it's their, their sniffing hound dog. Just on a yeah. rope. Like, there, is, there is something really smart, I think, about basically mixing the metaphors or, you know, of of the people in the... Like, once you enter into sort of this world, the forest world, even, to be honest, in the opening with the... the um, uh, old folks home, I guess, yeah. is sort of where he is, but it's like a, you know, there's a, it's a Christian old folks home, mm-hmm. right? There's sort of a religious, oh, yeah. or I felt like there was. Um, anyway, that 
every it if it, it's setting up this thing where in this world everything is off just a little bit where it's like you know in the village you have you have well not the village but in the forest and all of that like a pig is a, a, a dog is a pig and like the dog that, and the pig that, is a dog right and a pig is a dog and 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 the dog that that boris is looking for is actually a calf yeah. you know what i mean it's like it's like everybody's <laughs> miss they're 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 accepting things to fit into their own reality right. and those things are not what we the audience assign as no. as reality and they don't give but a fuck it's, it's great yeah that that not giving a fuck that's what i love so much where it's like we look at it as the like they're normal crazed villagers like the imagery wise where they're holding the hound dog searching for them but it's they got a pig on a rope and it's just like yeah that pig for does them, not it's want not to be anything. on a rope yeah <laughs> for them though it's like they're still just you know scary strange villagers we're just doing what we're doing but for us it's like it's a pig guys <laughs> but this but this is there's a really good video essay and i fucking wish i could pull it off the top of my head but it's about what makes things scary and and like part of what they talk about is when you when you fuck with the notions of reality, you make things um, you make them He uses a term now. I don't remember what it is, but it's sort of like you make everything off by just enough to make us go. That's not right. That's what like it's the confusion and the sort of dissonance of the world you create that get it it makes us unsettled because mm -hmm. we're we're going Whoa, wait wait why is a pig a dog in in their world like that makes us uncomfortable and by making us uncomfortable suddenly like we're primed up we're going right. oh shit if that's if that's crazy if that's how these people think that like what reality is then what else it's the unknown right. of of like fuck they're off and now I now nothing I can't hang on to anything anymore because up is fucking down. Yes. And that right. creating that world and this movie does that really fucking world. Well, is that is I think a key element to horror. Well, like as you said, within that is the is getting eased into it with a certain priming. Yeah. So talk about just when we have that first um it's uh, Bartel and Boris. So Boris is the first local that we mm -hmm. see and meet. Yeah. Who remember him looking at the wind, like looking through the window at him, saying he lost his dog. Like yeah. that scene should have told us, you know, everything we need to know about what's going to happen. It's exactly what you're saying as far as like there's an offness here. Well, and 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 I think the smart thing too of of what that scene does is it it, it poses the question: Is this have I just run into or has Mark just run into one crazy guy in the woods or is this the the nature of the new environment? Mm -hmm. Right. And you, and you spend a little time with him wondering that. Right. Like he's a little like hesitant and whatever. But then the innkeeper Bartel kind of like puts his his concerns aside he and and he Bartel's pretty affable and, yeah. and seems jolly and whatever and so you go oh no no okay ju it's just Boris but and then, then it's like no 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 we're, then, it's a fuck yeah. they're fucking with you so the then whole time. how I love it that. built how then it's continued to sort of transition into that with uh 
that disconcertingness, the fear by, you know, Bartel getting increasingly disconcerting, where first it was kind of like for me when he, I mean, of course, there's all the obvious signs. No one stayed at this place forever, but you're right. He's affable, blah, blah, blah. He's another performer. But when he insisted on the performance the way he did, mm-hmm. like, that's kind of like, okay, I can kind of put myself there where it's just like, you're like, come on, just, you're a singer, just like sing. But, but there by, was something very then, forceful. Yeah, by then, I think we're already like right. something is, I but, mean, we know something's up by then, right? Because that's after, um, that's after we've seen Bartel break into the van. But oh, Mark, that was but, after? I think so. I was just going to say the van was the other thing where it's just sort of that utter normalized determination of Bartel, like... When he's supposed to be checking on the van, he takes a crowbar to like Dude. to open, and that's when when I remember your reaction when he like started ripping it up with a crowbar. Where it just cut to you know in that, that cutting style. I, that love, it has. I love that cut. Yeah, that cut is so fucking good because a lot of time you 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 get sort of like a cut away of something else to signify that time has passed or whatever. They just it's basically the same angle. It might be just a right. touch. They off. did a lot of that sort of like same angle later in the same moment. Yeah. We're just cutting jump cutting to jump cutting. Yeah. Later. Yeah. (laughs) I Um, love that. But that one where it's like, he's breaking into the van. Like it's all normal. I'm just going through his stuff. Just going through all his personal thing. Kind of like feeling how squishy his bed is (laughs) just like all the tactileness. That's a really creepy thing. Yeah. You watch somebody like test the tactileness of things. There's something like unsettling to me about that. <laughs> right. Like if I was going to reach over and be like, "Oh, let me just um let me just touch your the the material on your <laughs> on your jeans." Hmm. Yeah, look at that. Oh, it's a little worn out right there. It's like, "Ooh, what's yeah. happening right now?" I you're right. I did just feel that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, love... you were saying you're getting into that. Um Well, like how well uh, I mean, what got me thinking too how you mentioned how when we're get coming into the world, we uh, we're kind of like trying to figure out. Okay, so what's this guy's deal? What's this mm-hmm. guy's? Deal? And now he's talking about the villagers. Is he saying? Is he saying don't go to the villagers because they're actually reliable? And he's, yeah, I thought so, that too. So, but no. The, so what ends up happening is everyone that he meets there who's a local is crazy, and they're all an extension of the same sort of crazy like so i thought that was a really good way to both like subvert and expand on this the formula of this kind of story of the deliverance texas chains Mm -hmm. psycho you know all that yeah come into a a place that's run by crazies or crazies so by having it be where there's within those crazies a um what would you like an infighting Mm-hmm. Like where they have their own crazy versus crazy uh, feud going on. Right. This guy and the locals. <laughs> and then there's sort of this sort of a uh, neutral party crazy who's just looking for his dog. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. He is sort of bridging the two groups. Right. But th- I thought that was so smart as a way to like. I mean, it was effective because it made it so, like, there was no sort of sense of escape. Like, when he did get away, oh, is he going to... So, we don't... Is there's that uncertainty? Is he's going to get captured by this person next oh, yeah. or this person next? Um, as well as, uh, yeah, no no sort of glimmer of hope surrounding. But as well, just doing a lot to say... Uh, to to expound on the, the themes of the types of crazy that's going on. Yeah. Which was, like, so interesting to me how uh, I liked... 
how uh, they all, it was <laughs> how each of them um, had their own sort of, like, like as a way when I was talking about how, what are the lines of acceptable crazy, mm-hmm. you know? And I thought it was really interesting and really effective how this film, it starts off with a, okay, this is, this is normalized crazy. We have a guy wearing a cape performing in front of elderly people, like taken completely out of context. It would almost be just as nutty as like some of these other things that these people are doing day to day. Maybe not, you know, take, take harmful or not, you know, out of the equation, mm-hmm. but as far as this sort of like an insular image right yeah like, what are you doing yeah, yeah we have like yeah the main character is this p- crazy performance artist that we can either like look at him as being it's like he it's an accepted yet yet off-putting crazy you know what i mean like it's one or the other depending our just like it's either admirable he's doing this work just no matter what or it's also kind of feels desperate and right? off-putting yeah which is then immediately we can say the same about the older woman hitting on him. You know, it's like... Well, and, and even I think there's one other extra element that sort of speaks to the larger themes of the movie of how we perceive and receive performance. Yeah. And how how much stock we put in our interpretation of the interaction. So in other words, there's, sort of, there's this thing called... Um, a paras, I think it's a parapsychic uh, relationship. Is it parapsychic? <laughs> it's is something that? like that. Um, I'll have to look it up. But it's it's essentially what I'm what I'm referring to is is when when an audience believes or attaches a a connection to a performer. In in you see this a lot in celebrity where you know you watch. I don't know what's the most popular show of all time. Let's Friends, right? You watch Friends and you've seen every episode of Friends and you think because you've engaged in this story and these characters that you now know those people. And not just the character, but you know and have a relationship with the actors. Mm-hmm. So when you see them on the street, so to speak, you're like, oh my God, it's Rachel. Right. It's like, no, it's fucking Jennifer Aniston, first of all. And second of all, she doesn't know you. Yeah. Right. You, you don't have a relationship. It's this parasitical th- sort right. of thing. And so if you peel that kind of back in the opening scene, you have this that same kind of thing where where the older woman, she interprets this performance to be an actual flirtation. Right. And there's this weird veil between those two things that she has dismissed. That she's going, oh no, because you know, I you know, the right. way the way you were interacting with me, like I took that as a sign to mean you were into me. And it's like, yo, it's a it's a performance. Right. Like, like So that's a perfect example th- of but what that, yeah. Th- it's it's the grain right. of of your perception of the interaction that is then magnified to like the billionth degree when he gets into this village. Right. Because as I said, like with the, those older women, what they're going through or like a celebrity on the street that is, as, yeah, as I said, an accepted yet off-putting kind of crazy, mm-hmm. like where or more we understand where it's coming from. So to have that as the building point, like what you just said, you take it to this umpteenth billionth degree, but you're able to do that by having this be the, the, 
the, the starting off point mm-hmm. of the film is like, okay, so these are just these kinds of crazies, quote unquote, you know what I'm right. saying? Right. Well, it's and so effective. And yeah. And I love, I love the sort of, the, uh, the trajectory, I guess, of this idea that, you know, it's uh, in the opening scene when he's in quote unquote the real world. <laughs> we we get a version of that interaction where there is norms and there's observable, you know, consequence. Oh right, right. So yeah, like, like, oh, of course like, I have a phone. Uh, you think I'm crazy? No, no. I mean, even before with the with the older woman, oh. where she, when when she when she crosses that line of like what is the interpretation of her own reality, and then is denied, and she goes, "Oh shit!" And then she starts like flatulating herself. She's like, "You're a fucking, right. you're a fucking whore," and you and and she's like, "It's like you stupid slut to herself." She she's acknowledging that in this world she overstepped her bounds. Yeah. Right. In her mind, at least. And then which has its own sort of like we feel bad. I feel bad for her because I'm like, oh, fuck, like she shouldn't be so hard on herself. You know what I mean? It's like simple mistake, right. I guess. <laughs> but then you say that is a quote unquote simple mistake and you put it into a world where there is absolutely no judgment on your own action and your own perception of reality when he gets to the village. Like everybody just agrees that their version of reality is true. Yeah. And there's no questioning it. Like nobody's <laughs> yeah. going, oh, you know, maybe this is a little too far. Like somebody might think I'm crazy. Right. For doing this to this pig. Right. <laughs> right. Or for believing that this guy is my wife. <laughs> right. That's what it's Like about. there's no questioning on their part. I, and and it and it's weirdly magnified when the village is then like your wife she's back and it's like they all become they all that's what i said they're all in this that, delusion that mark is not his wife but they just are they're just in they they're get in caught up with this mania exactly that is very crazy that's very crazy it's very scary mm-hmm. as an idea and i i wish i knew kind of more about like the politics of france when this was made and maybe just the history of france because i i'm sure they're <laughs> commenting on something right you know what i mean that it's like something about i don't know like how the common people of France feel about the progression of France as a country and their interaction with the sociopolitical world or whatever. Right. I'm just sort of spewing well, bullshit, but I bet you there's something there. Yeah. I mean, I see me. I mean, uh, mimes are particularly French, right? <laughs> that we have that association. Marceau, Marceau. Like the classic kind of, you know, Animaniacs yeah. mime. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just wanted to pick apart more kind of like what this is saying and doing about artists and performance art and how it's Ooh, utilizing all that. That's interesting. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, the mimes maybe draw a connection like, man, you know, you're French on the mind, I guess. Um, <laughs> God, I wish I had a little beret for you to wear right now. <laughs> embedded there somewhere. <laughs> um, but like how there's something with, I mean, you can relate being in the entertainment business and you, you know, you're an actor and all that stuff where there is this weird, like thing where it's like, you feel like 
a lot of times you can feel like you're crazy for doing that stuff until you have a certain amount of outside validation. Mm -hmm. Yet what's so fascinating is it doesn't change the act at all. Like the act isn't different in itself, just sort of how many people are perceiving it Mm -hmm. at all or a certain way. You know, yeah, there's something really interesting in that that picks that apart because it's like the themes of, you know, where they're saying to him, it's like, oh, well, be sure when you hit it big, you still come back to see us. You're our favorite. Right. right. Well, that's an interesting idea because the reference point is is determining the validity of the act. Yeah. In other words, we outside of 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 the act of being a performer we assign uh like tiers of acceptability mhm and and those are fucking bullshit right? right they're just hierarchy bullshit that we've 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 said that if you're on a tv show you're a better or more of an actor Let's forget the word better. You're more of an actor. You're more valid as an actor if you're on a TV show than you are if you're doing, you know, uh, uh, an original play in right. the, in the valley. So you look know, at like, that. Look at that progression here, which was yeah. just, was so effective. So if we're putting that vulnerable place because we're thinking exactly what you said, you know, about um. Uh, can you can you say it again? Something Just up? the validation that the that the the world at large assigns to the hierarchy of of yeah. your so where your position is in, in so right in the we act actually performing we actually sort of sympathize with um with Bartel when he's like I'm an ex performer and we see him sure. sort of telling the same joke and yeah. he's like this used to kill you got to trust me kind of thing um yet oh, but that's man. but that's his own but then we get like no what we like to think as something that is because like you're saying we've we've based on how much we've accepted this we normalize this kind of thing and we're going inside it's starting to pick us apart it's like oh is this crazy is he crazy for doing this so then so you, you see where i'm going with this we have I think so. we have mark's performance art at the beginning where it's like okay you know some people could think he's kind of crazy wearing his cape and singing these songs but no this is just his performance art and yeah. the people around him in that moment are they think he's amazing. Right. So and then, he's getting that validation. Yeah. And then we have, you know, Bartel sort of endeared based off of his joke, you know, so we're getting these different viewpoints on performance and art. And then we get to the scene of the film, Tim, <laughs> the big dance number. Oh man. We get to, so the villagers, <laughs> we get to see their take on uh, what is accepted worthwhile art. Right. And boy, howdy, Tim, do they dance their, their socks off. You know, you are, you are scraping, you know, a surface of a really fucking intensely deep idea in my mind. And, and, and I think the best way I could go on and on about how you depict this or how you, uh, how you define it. But I think the best way is this. My favorite part of American Idol is when you get a contestant who thinks they are amazing, right? They've been told they're amazing. They've been validated. They, they believe that they are a good performer and singer. And they are objectively wrong, right? They cannot sing. And there's something really duly 
to me, <laughs> maybe I'm an asshole, but there's dual joy in seeing that and kind of humor in it, but also like deep sadness because well, they don't get it. And so right. what I'm getting at is in a way, this movie is basically saying, fuck you for for assigning value one way or the other. Right. The 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 performer is the performer and their how they believe like where they believe they land in that is purely up to them. Yeah. And it is and you That is also real. And it's real, exactly. Right. And so when you see like Bartel, we have this reaction of like, oh, he doesn't really realize like we kind of almost pity him like he was a he thought he was a comedian, but he wasn't good enough. And we pity him for not being good enough. And it's like, that's sort of, it's so fucking subjective. It's neither here nor there whether or not he was good. And art being so fucking subjective, like this whole movie is kind of pointing at this idea of like, who are we to say? Yeah. Like what is good or bad, crazy or not crazy. Right. It's all just sort of this random spectrum. Because right? that singer that, you you know we like to think is objectively bad on american idol they are not wrong if they i'm just repeating in a different way here they aren't wrong if they honestly believe they are the best singer that's ever furthermore with, you know if what they are presenting is well received by anybody there's there's validity in it the william hung phenomenon right so what do you you know what do you take out of that, right? So it's, it's so a pretty you see wild that, idea. That idea is really put out there with this uh, the scene that made me go like, okay, this is a buy it because of this scene, <laughs> which yeah. is the dance number, which is where after he sort of comes uh, after Bartel, yeah. our main baddie, comes and threatens the villagers like with my wife's back, you guys better stay away. Well, they have themselves just a rousing little jovial dance number. That's anything but, well, as we would perceive, like we've been saying, exactly. rousing or jovial. They are stern faced. The music is discordant piano. Ooh, it's so good. They too. sort of stand and shuffle in front of each other, yep. stern faced. And, but they, they, and they all do it. And it's, yeah. it's like, and they seem to quite enjoy themselves. <laughs> yes. So who are we to say? Right. But from the flip side of our own comfort with like what we deem as normal, we're going, this is freaky as oh, fuck. We're going like and that. so to, to like have that commentary and make us sort of like think about that. Is pretty. Right. It's pretty good. Because again, it wasn't the one person. It wasn't the piano player sitting down and playing something discordant and crazy. And then it didn't stop at the person, one person getting up and dancing to it. There's a whole room of these villagers here doing it. Which takes you down a whole nother path <laughs> yeah. of like, where and how do you um, combat like the mass sort of... Uh, uh, um, dominoes of when when an idea good or bad but let's say it's a bad idea like i don't know being a nazi let's just take the most extreme thing right people get on board because other people are getting on board right and so you're start, you're also pointing at that phenomenon of like you know 
I'm just going to go along with the thing because everybody else is doing it. So it must be okay, or it must be right, or it must be not bad. You know, so there's, I think that is also living in this movie of like, right. you know, that's a really scary prospect given this, a certain context. Right. Um, so it's, it's kind of hitting both sides of this idea where you could, you could kind of say, you know, look, everything is subjective. So why judge anything? But also some things are fucking bad and you, you, you can inadvertently get on board with it just because you're going along with things. Right. So both those ideas are fucking pretty big and wild. Right. Uh, and they do a good job of just being like, yeah, here, see, (laughs) they can live at the same time. Yeah, the it's par- fucking, paradoxical truth. It's scary. Mm-hmm. That yeah, I mean we're being really intellectual about this but and like picking apart. We're, but like we're able to because it was of really what, easy right, to. Right, that's because of I think that's a marker for like when a film can really get under your skin on a certain level, which yeah. this did for me. Like I don't think I'm being overtly like dramaturgical and like peeling apart the metaphor. It's not hard. <laughs> yeah. It's like right fucking in your face. I mean, it's just like we're now talking after we're just talking out the experience of watching it together, which was like for all these little they, this. I think out of all the films we watched, this had the sort of the most cringe moments in the sense of like, oh, God, that was not right. and mm-hmm, made me feel mm-hmm. uncomfortable, you know. Yeah. Oh God, he's back in the clutches of this guy. Yeah, and the, and oh, the, the, the impending doom of of everything mm-hmm. is really strong. Yeah, <laughs> because I kept thinking, like, man, he thinks he's going to get out of this situation. He's so fucked after that. So why? So so he's recreating him like it's as his wife who ran away or whatever by putting him in the sundress, but then oh. the shaving his head. Like there was something that was so perfect about that because yeah. of just kind of it's again, it was a form of like be, it clearly made sense in a realistic way to this guy who is doing the shaving. Bartel he shaving even his head. says something like this is this will be better for you. Yeah. Yeah. He it's justifies like, it in some way. But like just to sort of it, it, what's so great, like trying to pick apart why it's so perfect and disturbing, though, it kind of like effeminates him is that's not a word but you know what i mean feminizes but, feminize him? it but wow. in the same way as well as not like right it's it's sort of such a control well, thing to like right. remove someone's hair and but also i think part of it is that it's it's demasculate masculinating <laughs> yeah. it's emasculating him in a way you know like in a very simple way like and i know this from experience because i worry about it all the time but like you know your hair, your mm-hmm. head of hair as a man, like speaks <laughs> to some fucking idea of masculinity, right? Like we're kind of inundated with that. So you worry about it. How's my hair look? And yeah. like, am I losing it or am I going to lose it? And all those it, kind of crazy kind ideas. Of just made him a doll. That's right. So exactly. So it's taking away this thing that we, I think, often classify as like well if you've got a good solid head of hair you're fucking right. you know that's that's a sign of virility something and just about his half-assed job though of oh it. yeah like that this was just his weird little like haircut that a toddler would well, give because to their there's doll. no perfection in it it's just like no no i'm just gonna do what i want to do which adds to that incongruency right. of just like anything making fucking sense and it's it's not just that he wants to it's that uh oh okay there's this clear line of logic that i'm following well got it <laughs> Shave right. it off with this. Right. It's the same thing as a pig is a dog and a dog is a cow and whatever. It's yeah. just like, what? 
<laughs> exactly. Okay. Right. Whatever you say. It's kind of like when you when you're dealing with like a little toddler, mm-hmm. and they're like, the sausage and the you know yeah. the sa- sausage is fly, and you know and they have fun when they're hanging out with lettuce, and it's like, sure, kid. <laughs> <laughs> I, if it makes sense to you, great. Right. Who am as I to tell as, you you're as wrong? As long as you're having a good time and not like flipping out. Right. As long as you're having a good time and not hurting other people or animals, which is <laughs> right. the case of this film. Um, speaking of hurting people more, he goes as far, uh, Bartel goes Dude. as far as crucifying him. Yeah, that is gnarly. What was that? That was just like to teach him a lesson or just to make sure. He's like, I'm sorry, I have to do. You're making me have to do this. (laughs) Yeah. What? Why? No. What was. okay? so the trailer reminded me of the kind of other standout scene, but I forget the exact kind of context. But I'll call it the Texas Chainsaw Massacre scene where we have the close ups of the eyes. Texas Chainsaw style where this was sort of the one that I want to. Can we kind of start transitioning to how this movie was shot? Yes, okay. definitely, definitely. Because like that, I think that what you're talking about, those macros up in his eye. Yeah, I, I think it's happening when during the Christmas dinner, uh, when Boris is over right before the right. villagers show up. And it's just manic and fucking so, it just it's like the camera's literally doing 360s around the table. And then we're yeah, popping in on. These that's what was ups. so it was so n- not unsuspected, but like the way we were eased into it Oof. were it's, I guess, unexpected in the sense of this film. I love how this film was shot, Tim. Yeah. Like compared to, you know, how I was like Lake Bottom is mm-hmm. one that I was kind of ragging on. I'm like, it looks lit. It looks like it's yeah. kind of boring. It doesn't feel And you don't mean safe. it like, you know, like a millennial would say it looks lit. It's not lit. <laughs> this this movie was lit, Tim. God, I feel how, so old. How it was lit was lit, okay? I'm making millennial jokes. And also how it Tell wasn't me. lit to me was lit. Do you remember when I he found him? I love how it is not lit. Remember how when uh, the weird little, what's his name, Boris finds Mark in the forest tied Dude, up? Dude, it's all just black. Yeah. I the love only, it. The literal only light that we have is his flashlight. It's when he so good. Him. That's Tim. I just, that's what I wanted from all these films that we've watched. Like, <laughs> there, there are a number of shots inside the inn, in Bartel's inn, um, that are virtually just black like there's a shot of bartell i think two or three times where he's just in a doorway there was and that first very yeah. very little lighting coming through a window kind of in the background and there is there is no light on bartell i remember he is it just was, a solid black it silhouette. came at a moment that was kind of perfect to sort of cement him as like a very disconcerting yeah you know oh, ominous, yeah. scary presence yeah. So it was working with. It. So that's what I was saying. Not unexpected, but unassuming, I think, was the word I was looking for mm-hmm. earlier. Mm-hmm. Where when you have something that has this lighting that supports a stark realism, it makes it so it's 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 less assuming for in, in, a, in a setting up kind of way for once we get to the shots like the Texas Chainsaw sequence where mm-hmm. it's just manic, the camera. Yeah. Like you said, doing 360s around the table. They're Fuck. all screaming, cutting in and out, oh. like hyperkinetically. And then um, and then building to another like awesome shot of the film, which was the overhead view that rotating camera. That is incredible. It was the big climax, basically, where you have 
the, the our main the sh- bad guy versus the other bad guys, yeah, the villagers. Shoot out. And then shootout, like there's a little rape happening. Right, and you, there's, you you sort of oh have man. three. You have three parties, and they're all kind of targeting each other in different ways. And we watch it all play out. This sort of uh, tri- triad of conflict, mm-hmm. triad of conflict, like in an over single overhead shot. God. It was incredible. Like seeing, it was like, well, what what better way to kind of show the kind of interesting particular interplay that's going on. Just let it play out like we're watching, you know, rats in a cage. Dude, it is real intense. (laughs) It's a beautiful shot, too. I mean, it is quite remarkable. Yeah. The, the, The preciseness of the camera move with the utter chaos Mm -hmm. and i mean utter because there's a cow there you know what i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) no i thought it was a dog tim oh shit you're right it was a dog (laughs) god damn it bella um those two things in in sort of concordance with each other is so fucking cool (laughs) yeah and it it really was the sort of the big climax of the Mm -hmm. film too um yeah, so how it was shot, I just loved it. Yeah, it was fantastic. So, look, like, talking about stark realism, yeah. Well, we, I asked Ryan, well, sort of a few, I don't know, 20 minutes in, if it, if it seemed like it was shot on film, and you had said maybe it was shot on tape, it kind of... I don't know, it was a looking little at unclear. it again, it looked more like it was sort of a, like, 16 millimeter maybe? film, maybe, but yeah. just with that sort of heavy, like, uh, um, desaturated kind of like almost like the bleach bypass look where the darks are really dark yeah. and the brights are bright because i didn't feel like you were really feeling film grain yeah. in it which often you do because you know when you're well what well what threw me off is there was like film artifacting during it so i'm like even if this was somehow shot on video that looked like there was at least a transfer at some point that was then maybe oh, transferred to dvd maybe like you saw some kind of film artifacting during it so yeah, that's yeah. why i'm like okay maybe this wasn't because it just looked so 28 days later at first you yeah know? yeah but watching it on a dvd quality made it all kind of hard to tell mm-hmm. but also kind of totally worked for this film sure. i gotta say yeah, yeah, this yeah. was a great film to watch on the dvd well that which is the only place you can see it yeah that kind of leads me to the one other big point i have mm-hmm. um of of what was working and and it's it's the environment as a whole that forest we the, were eating the up forest is so fucking cool the fact that it's always damp and then like almost cut to cut there are is snow on the ground and then there's not and like normally i would be like motherfuckers like can you just like i know you can't get mother nature to cooperate with you all the time but like sometimes you gotta wait and like or like figure it out and solve the continuity later it didn't matter in this because Mm -hmm. it's making us feel even more crazy and that is you know the point in a way um but the dampness and the the in the const- like just the set itself right. whether or not I, it's probably a real place like you so. said we could both smell it immediately holy shit yeah like when he walks into that in that first time and and bartell's like yeah we haven't had a lot of people here but like the rooms are clean i was like yeah i know exactly what that room smells like yeah like the wood in that room has a smell the the linens in that room have a smell mm. you know like there's a dampness to it it's so fucking tactile and <laughs> And like, it's really amazing that there's something. Mud. Yeah, exactly. You see these things too. Like they do cutaways to like the river and like, or stream or whatever you want to call it. But 
you know, when it's kind of iced over at one point, but then it's flowing at another point, and then like you see Mark's footprints and boot prints, and even in that whole the the finale sequence of him trying to get away, he's going through the river and he's in the mud and he's like falling over because he's getting a foot stuck, and like all of that stuff is just so visceral to me. It's it's having. It doesn't matter that from almost beat to beat, you're in weirdly different environments. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't matter. It's fucking eerie. It's foggy. Yeah. And then it's not. And then it's cold. <laughs> and talking about that it's fog, cool. like the foggy bogs, like it felt, it was like, this was real stuff they're getting here, you know? Yeah. The and setting. There's, a, there's apparently sinkhole sort of bog, like... <laughs> yeah. What do you quicksand? So how about I mean, that, that ending though? That death. So yeah, so it ended at a bog with quicksand, which was kind of I set think up. There, that's a metaphor for something. I don't know. It, well, it, it certainly it, was loaded in what it was was yeah. going on with it. But I mean, or I mean, I, are we saying you didn't buy that that was real? No, I bought that it was well at that point. That in my mind, we're not even in reality. Well, just like that. But oh, yeah. there are bogs like yeah. this. Oh yeah. No, I bought that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know. I mean, the whole, it feels like we're, if you know what it feels like, it sort of feels like how I imagine you depicting like Dante's Inferno, where it's like you just are going through the levels of hell where suddenly, you know, one level is, is the river. One level is the mud. One level is the oh, like snow. Dense one level, forest. Yeah, yeah. One level is the super dense forest. It, it just feels like we're just like, we're going down and yeah. down and down and down through the levels. And I, I actually really like that. Generally speaking, I mm-hmm. just think it's fucking cool. And you get these different looks and environments and everything. So, so, so I was how into about, that aspect of it. How about this ending though? At first, I almost was like, uh, you know, because I, I was loving this movie from some of the key standout scenes in it so, so much. And at first I was feeling like I wanted a bigger ending, but then I sort of like think it was thinking about it more and remembering it and thought about it more. I'm like, oh no, it was there, the ending that I was wanting because of like how, I use this word a lot, how loaded was it? How powerful was it that to have the moment where well, well, what it was where the the man who was the pursuer, like wanting him Gloria, he's dubbing, right. he's dubbing our hero Mark as Gloria. They all are under this delusion. They think he's Gloria, the ex-wife. So there's, it's down to just one of them Wait, chasing him. Who do him. they think it is? Gloria. <laughs> it's like my favorite song. Can we play that on the show legally? Fuck yeah. It's only like eight seconds. <laughs> oh, okay. Sure. Great. <laughs> um, so they're fighting. Uh, the, the, this one guy's left looking for this Mark. He thinks is Gloria. Who? <laughs> and he gets stuck in one of these sinkholes, this guy, this villager. And, and he says something he... right before that too to the other guys. He's like, "You guys, you guys can carry on or whatever, but I, but I, like he... I'm going for it." Right. It's weird. I don't. I didn't quite. It's like they. You know what it felt like a little bit, and maybe this is what you're getting at. I'm sorry. I'm totally fucking no. cutting you off. But the idea of there's a threshold for these villagers that like they can't go a certain after a certain point. They they're not allowed to go into mm-hmm. the real world. 
Like they, they, like there's uh, a border that that he sort of is like. We're not supposed to go any further because we're. I don't know. Is this just so much about like a a border kind of uh, different limitations? But I think definitely the sort of like maybe with, not with, literally with, but... within them. How crazy are they to keep this pursuit on just at all? You know. Yeah, I kind of wonder if the, it's sort of commenting on a like we live within these bounds, right? Metaphorically, I think we... and in this. We get moment. the desperation of this what this one villager who was the last one standing though yeah. in the yeah, search. Yeah. Because Tim, what was he saying to Mark at the end? Oh shit. while he was singing, He was like, Tell me you love me, right? Yes. Tell me so Oh yeah, and we haven't really even talked about that that whole idea which is reinforced constantly of like the 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 loss the feeling of like somebody leaving you and the the feeling of loss over right. that and the and the desperation to have that back this whole movie could be just about what happens if we take women away from society you know like think about it yeah or even they're, they're, maybe one step further or they wanted love broader. and acceptance that's right having that is it that in and of itself they're having del- that taken they're, away from they're deluded to the fact where you know in a physical sense they'll get it from farm animals yeah and then yeah. in sort of a nurturing sense they dress up this guy they put up this guy in a dress and then convince themselves he's a woman you know what i think you're right i think you're absolutely right because the opening the first act opening the 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 real world so to speak that gets turned upside down is a world in which Mark has to like literally deny women mm-hmm. their desires. And then he gets into the mirror world, the upside down world, whatever you would call it, of the second act or the rest of the movie, where there are no women mm-hmm. and everybody's yearning for that desire. So it's only on That's this interesting. It's only on this guy's deathbed, you know, his death hole. His death sink. His death hole. <laughs> where he, where he's, you know, just, it all comes down to, well, what does it boil down to that these people are looking for? Right. They just want to be loved, which is like, what do we all want? You know, it's like to be loved and accepted. Right. And I think it's, you know, was. That's the, so interesting. And our, our hero, despite this whole situation that he went to. I think he recognizes yeah. that despite just trying to be killed and raped by this person, he says, like, yeah. he knows he's dying. He lets him die. He doesn't save him. That's right. So there is that side to it. But he does say, I love you to him. Yeah. Because it's like, I can at least Holy give him shit. that. This movie is really deep. I know. That's why I love deep it so, its, so much. Deep in its muddy death hole. Oh, God. Yeah. So that's why wow. that ending ended up being an ending you know for me in the end oh shit i kind of have to like reassess my feelings of it being incomplete (laughs) this was as like what i was raving about like those other like the the black cat Mm. Mm -hmm. or or the other cat movie we we just watched (laughs) wow like just when they're so by being so concise they're so dense with stuff like this movie right beyond complete for me yeah. It's a springboard of all sorts of ookie bookie things going on. Wow. Okay, well let's get into what didn't work and see sort of the counterpoint that I I'm going to 
try to make. <laughs> okay, let's do it. What did not work? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? <laughs> I, I think I know where it's coming from a little bit, at least, is that in order for this structure that they have in this, in this framework, I think personally, I need a little bit mo more to feel like I'm in Mark's head, like that I'm with him. And I didn't. And I don't know if it's a product of it being a foreign film that I have to read subtitles with, if it's a product of the character's depiction or the actor's um, depiction, depending on how you look at it, right? Um, that none of those things really quite got me to feel like in his mind or like in his like, like I felt like I was just watching a person go through things rather than feeling his emotional state yeah and that that slight disconnect because i think any like another person would be right on board in you know with him potentially like i i just happen to not feel that for some reason so i had yeah in my so, things of note basically i was i i put me disagreeing with that which was the main criticism of the film so i'll just put that oh, really? here interesting so yeah the main criticism of the film was like the main problem with this is one reviewer the problem with calvair is the passive unsympathetic nature of its main character which keeps the viewer from really caring for him um that th that makes me think that it's intentional i think it thing. is so it was intentional so okay to to i guess more context for our discussion here the writer-director said he purposely wanted to create the characters in the film against type by fleshing out and sympathizing more with the character of a villain of the villain mm. rather than his victim. Okay. But for me, it's more... That's aside the point. It's For me, it's like the same way... I'll defend this the same way I defended... What's the... What's the, the the World War II movie, the Christopher Nolan movie that just came out? Dunkirk. Dunkirk. People had that, like, you didn't learn anything about the character, da 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 da, da. I'm like, yeah. no, all I needed was just to see human faces in this situation. Sure. That did it all for me. And then sort of um, not dissimilar Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm -hmm. It's like, we don't know. They're just young people together. on the. This was like if Texas yeah. Chainsaw Massacre had just the one dude instead of like a group of friends getting killed off. But I will make the point that I think the thing that I'm wanting exists in Texas Chainsaw because mm. you see the girl in the back of the pickup and she starts laughing, right? Mm -hmm. And that human kind of moment of like, I just went through this fucking ordeal and I'm having kind of my own like crazy reaction to it. It's very short and it's very simple, but I felt like I needed something like that. I mean, for me, that was him giving in and saying, I love you to him when he wanted it. Yeah. Maybe it's just how it was shot. Like so that's, we're over the shoulder of him. That's, that what, shot. I, that's what I wanted to break it down. Yeah. And the, the main, like why, I think it still worked for me so wholly mm -hmm. was I think it's shot in a way that goes for just such a stark realism. Yeah. yeah. Like, no, we don't have a shot that sort of comes around to see him in his face saying, 
I love you too, which, or I love you, whatever. So, but because of that, I was so much more emotionally involved in his journey, kind of, you know, uh, ironically, paradoxically, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, that if this sort of had a more classic like storytelling visuals or even writing to it of like setting up this main character being more subjective with him, it only would have felt more like fake movie versus even, than like I'm really just feeling for this actual guy in this right. actual situation. Well, in a way, I think then like if we're if we're that on board with him as a character. If you do it that way, it, it does turn a little more into exploitation in the same way that those slashers sort yeah. of do of the, the late 70s, early 80s. and Which are not real. <laughs> and this is 04. They're doing a different thing. Yeah. Like they're clearly purposefully making <laughs> these decisions. Right. So that's why I say it is, you know, I put it in the sense that it didn't work for me only so in so far as like I like – a movie that does do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it really is just a, I'm, it's not a criticism so much as a, you know, a pointing out of a taste mm-hmm. thing. Um, yeah, that's, it, it, it's not, it's, I, I don't know. No, I get, I get, I get why a, you do it. Right. It's a, no, I think it is a taste thing. And it's one that I'm just not, I don't get put off at all when it's like if it's a movie is all of a sudden doing something quote unquote unconventional and not sort of mm-hmm. putting me in a certain in the character's head in a certain way. That's not a default like no, mode no. for, you know, yeah. but I think because most sort of mainstream films are that we mm-hmm. get caught up in that sort of language of the language. That makes well, sense. and the big pro- the, the big mistake, I think, that we're seeing in this sort of modern age is. Is not being clear if you're going to do that you know do a a movie in the style that has those conventions doing them in kind of a middling way because you are either trying to do something different or whatever and then those movies end up kind of just falling flat because they don't they haven't made a choice right whereas this is like as much as it maybe didn't appeal to me as a style I can't criticize the movie for it, (laughs) right? It is the movie. They made a decision. Yeah, you can get, like for me, how it was just, he was just like an artist dude trying to make his way in the world, like, and then gets stuck in the situation. I don't, I didn't need to know anything more than that. Yeah. You know, and nor did I, nor was there anything obtuse about what he was going through at any given moment. Like, no, of course he's going to be horrified. There's a couple little sort of, technicality things of of that that just made me kind of go yeah but one in particular is like it, it actually it's not so much that it didn't work for me it's that I, I it left me wanting a little bit more uh-huh maybe that's a good thing but the the crucifixion in practical terms getting a, a nail through your wrist which is where it, it's yeah. done i think I'm not a, you know, anatomy like expert, but I think it would kind of just obliterate your ability to close and open your hand. Right. And it just occurred to me like it never really matters so much. Like he's never really in a position where he has to grab things, but he does grab things a, a couple times. Mm-hmm. And I just was like it it made me think, "Ooh, 
cool, like we're going to see his struggle. And this is sort of to the previous point. It, I thought we were going to get to see this moment of him not because he's had that that functionality obliterated. He can't do a thing mm-hmm. like he can't lift the gun up. He can't pull the trigger. He can't like hold, you know, an axe, whatever the thing that will help him that we were going to see a moment where he's fucked. He's more fucked yeah. because of this and not getting that was to me a little I was I felt kind of let down by it. Mm-hmm. But again, it wasn't really necessary to the movie. Yeah, see, that would have, for me, just went in more movie, don't need it, cut it. Yeah, so it's, a, yeah, it is sort of, again, a, a just a little bit of a taste or an expectation thing. Now that I know that that's not there, I could probably watch the movie again and it would not bother me at all, right? right. So little things like that, even the idea of, like, if you were to have been nailed there and then taken off, like, wouldn't you fucking bleed out? Right. So, but it's like, we don't, we weren't, we, there's, you're not sure it's never really pointed at. So yeah, like maybe they fucking ban, maybe Bartel threw some bandages around. Maybe it was only in the one arm too. I mean, I'm I'm saying, but yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I think it doesn't matter, but there are, I, as you know, a little bit of a stickler for like logic flaws. Mm -hmm. I'm often dismayed when I have when those thoughts start to come in right I'm like is this a failing of the well, filmmaking or right. is it, or, or you, is it me not should I just like, get over it it's not even like is there a flaw in this you just appreciate a logic flow so much that sure. you are uh, always enjoy it when it's there so you're looking for it that's true yeah you're right but also insofar as like if if the movie is cooking along and this one, when those questions started to pop up, it, it was moving at a, at a clip that, that I was like, I don't have time to worry about that. <laughs> yeah. And that's sort of fine, too. Yeah. Um, but I guess what it is, is from a really critical eye, I, I could say, would, would I have left having enjoyed it more had there been less of those thoughts, you know, protruding in and more like emphasis on Mark and, and theoretically I could say maybe yes, but since the filmmakers didn't want to do that and knew what they were doing and were specific about that and their intention, that's not the movie I just watched. So why should, you know what I mean? There's sort of this like, well, should I really care? Mm -hmm. Like, I think the movie is cool the way it is. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Me too. So I don't know. I mean, I guess you could say that for anything, <laughs> yeah. but whatever. So, yeah, that's that's all I have, though, really, as, as things any, that didn't work. I didn't have anything. Uh, I had nothing that did not work. I wish this movie had come into my life sooner. That's all. God, that's it. Yeah. I, no, that's it. Things of note? Yeah. This should be interesting. Uh, I mean, yeah. My, what's cool? What's cool? What's cooking? <laughs> he said. I just sort of grabbed a, a few things from the IMDb trivia. There was that one that I already read you, you know, about his uh, intention for portraying the two main characters differently. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to hear the other ones? Yeah. 
So according to the director, whose name is Fabrice Duweltz, the surreal bar scene in this film is an homage to one of his favorite films, André Delvaux's Un Soir, Un Train, from 1968. And I I took up, I looked up that film and YouTube, and the first thing that came up was a clip of the scene in question. Okay. I'm like, oh, it's, it's, it was a scene of, like, a couple stands to dance to this kind of, like, weird oompa, you know, non-music music, and mm-hmm. they just kind of stare at each other stern-faced and do that weird little step dance thing. <laughs> um, cool. But anyway, I, I have the link. It's, it'll be in our show notes, so... Oh, okay, cool. I have that there, so you can check it out. And then I thought this was interesting, you know, not so much trivia, but to point out as sort of could have put this in what worked, but it's like kind of Tim and you and I have talked about this, the approach to music. Like don't, like when we were talking about the, um, that was what thing that we mentioned did not work or you agreed with didn't work in uh, the uh, Last House on the Left remake Mm, of just some of bit like forced music key moments, you know? This had no musical score except for subtle violin heard during the final shots and closing credits and the creepy music in the bar, which was diegetic. Right. So, yeah, no, I I love that. And uh, when you're making a film like this for me, I'm like, okay, there's I sort of go in hoping like if I'm making it like, well, I'm not planning any music if it's this tone. Never once did I think to myself, ugh. This is so dumb. There's no music. <laughs> what am I supposed to be feeling right now? <laughs> right. I l- well, yeah. Oh, I guess I should have said this in things that worked. But like to that point, the there are like two kind of main jump, quote unquote, jump scares. There's no loud noise. There's no nothing. It's the noise that you hear is Mark reacting, mm. going, "Holy shit." <laughs> You know, and that's it. Yeah. And it's, you know, the first one that I can remember clearly off the top of my head is is Boris coming up to the van for the first time. <laughs> With his face is just, yeah, and lit. It's just so creepy. Dude, his eyes are all fucking weird. And yeah, <laughs> it's lit in a cool way where it's like the white of one eye is lit, but nothing else around the eye is lit. It's like yeah. a really cool effect that I maybe was purposeful or maybe a happy accident. But either way, I was like, Ugh this dude it's fucking freaky but don't rely on sound for your jump scare it's unnecessary the moment was perfectly fine without anything right unless you know you're making a certain kind of movie and it's a uh i mean everything has its place i'm saying <laughs> sure sure yeah yeah no i'm saying i agree with you absolutely but i'm just always the one who's like yeah but what about that one percent of times where that's not true you know that's all that's <laughs> right right <laughs> where you uh, want to use a, a stinger actually well it's won a couple awards good it's deserving but not a lot so i think that's a weird thing of note for this movie and i get it it's like reception is super mixed. I'm gonna start push. This is one of those gems. To, I'm gonna start pushing this out there in the world. I'm gonna that's great. Start recommending I, it. To yeah, I, I just think it's an interesting reality that you have movies like this that clearly have a fucking ton going on. I mean, and like we isn't there kind easily, of can't but, we look historically at most films that are sort of have stood the test of time are usually divisive upon they come sure out. but this like no who the yeah it's f- no wizard of knows, oz but, yeah, but nobody knows about this right. movie 
because when it has that initial divisiveness, it takes time to sort of, um, yeah. So you think this will stick around? Like, I mean, do you think in 20, 30 years, let's see. So it's, Oh, it was made in Oh four. Yeah. I think if there's enough, enough other people like me who loved this film that much, loved that this film this much, then, then it's got legs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, either way, I get why people won't want it. Mm-hmm. I get it. So, so I don't know. And I'm, you know, I mean, even me, I was like, I'm a, being a stream on it. It's, I'm not like, I, it, it, what it is, is I enjoyed it, but I'm almost reluctant to tell other people that they will enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Whereas some movies I'm like, dude. Like, you need to see this. Right. And I don't feel that way about this one, which I think is kind of noteworthy. Yeah. Because I don't know what to think of that. But so I don't be know it. to tell you. Yeah. I know. I mean, see, it's like for me when I'm recommending things to people, it's like, okay, if they're my friends, then you sort of have to trust some sort of overlap yeah. in taste. Yeah. Definitely. Or, or just at least uh, be hopeful that, you right. know, there's... They're going to be so chances. mad at you after they watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. You got any, uh, recommendations? I do. So let's, let's wrap up Calvair. Thank you, Calvair. Sorry. Yeah. No, I didn't want to say bye. So, job, so suddenly. good, good job. Everyone who worked on that. Now we are transitioning to the, the post Calvair <laughs> discussion. Okay. So my recommendation may or may not seem odd, but it is for, um, Shazam. And there's a reason it's just as you might expect. It's, you know, it's a superhero movie. Was that that one with like Shaquille O'Neal or whatever? (laughs) No, no. It's the one with Sinbad. Sinbad. No, there that's Kazam and Shazam and Shazam. The one with Sinbad doesn't exist. And it's all part of the, um, the Mandela effect. And we could go down that pathway, but we're not going to. Kazam, so then what Kazam are you talking was, about? So Shazam is this new movie with Zachary Levi. Who's that? He was Chuck. I think the show was called Chuck. Oh. You remember that TV show? Kind of. I never watched it. Anyway, he's fine. Um, but it's a DC, it's a comic book movie, basically. Oh. It is a comic book. Basically, it is. Um and there's a whole very interesting history of that character because uh, that character's name is Captain Marvel. Oh. Which. Conflict of interest now. Yeah, there's a bunch of shit. You can look it up online very easily. It's kind of interesting, but whatever. So my recommendation, though, is for that movie Shazam, the new movie Shazam. And and part of it, the reason I bring it up, because normally I would just be like, this is irre- not relevant to our conversations. But I was pleasantly surprised by there's a number of horror elements in this movie that i was not expecting like there's a couple really good little scares there's some cool creature design in it and there's a couple scenes that are actually like very traditional horror stuff Hmm. that i i don't know why they chose to use that as their sort of uh you know point of view but it was it it definitely made me like the movie more. Cool. Because on its surface, I was like, this is going to be kind of a fun whatever romp. And it's, and I'm going to leave being like, yeah, it's fine. But yeah. I, was, it, I left being a little more pleased with with going to a superhero movie that wasn't Marvel. <laughs> 
you know, that ha- DC has a shit track record of the last like eight movies they've made. All though. I knew about it was the poster that made me not want to see it. I hated the poster. And I get that. The, I was I was pleasant. I'm not recommending it to you, Ryan, because I don't <laughs> think you would like it necessarily. But I, I I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. And the horror stuff, the horror elements made made it kind of cool. Well, while you were in theaters going to see that, I well, you know, I've been going back and forth to this video rental house video tech in Pasadena where yeah. we rented Calvair from and where we rented a lot of our movies from when we want the Blu-rays. Um, so I picked up for myself. It's one of those movies I was embarrassed to have never seen up till now, which was the man who fell to earth starring oh, yeah. David Bowie. I've never seen Nicholas it. Nicholas Roeg movie. I want to see it. Well, I recommend it to everyone. It was great. Cool. It was great. Um, it was... I didn't know what I was hoping for, but it was more. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> no, meaning like, I was like, oh, I, I get it. This is a great film. I get why it's a classic. It was a little long, but whatever. Do you still have it? No. God damn it. I returned it no, when I, I picked up Calvair. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> great. Cool, dude. Okay, so I was trying to figure out whose turn it is to pull this week. So, Tim, you did... I always have the reference point. You did Deep Red, which means I did Evil Ed, which means you did Dead and Buried, which means I did Ghost Ship, which means you did Cat People. <laughs> we could just go Mike. Well, no, we can't. You're right. Which means Mike- you did Cat People, which means I'm doing this one because Michael pulled the Calvair and we had us before this. Correct. In- Great. Okay. Shake it up. All right. Next week's film will be... Ah, mom and dad. Uh, mom. This and is dad. the Nicolas Cage one that came out last year. Oh, I don't know anything about. Oh it. my god, I'm excited because. It's, oh no. Because <laughs> what I mean, the the story that I know, like the setup or whatever that I know what it is, it's one that I'm like, great. That already sounds great on its own. Add Nick Cage to the mix. Can it be better than Mandy or worse than Mandy? Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how to answer that. It could be either. (laughs) It was rhetorical, okay? (laughs) Well, we'll find out, Tim. All right, man. So uh, we hope to see you uh, next week for Moom and Dad. How do you say mom and dad in French? Uh, Ma and pa, probably. (laughs) See you next week for mom and dad. And should we try our sign-off again, Tim? I don't remember what it is. We'll see you next time. Bye. No. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. Is it? So until next time, everyone, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.